0: Imagine speaking the dialect of the ancient Athenians. Imagine speaking Attic or Classical Greek, the language spoken in the 6th to 4th centuries BC. This is the language of Aeschylus, Thucydides, Sophocles, Plato, and Aristotle. The Circe Institute Greek Apprenticeship, called Attikizo, is a three-year program that teaches spoken Attic Greek with mentor Monique Neal and a small cohort of fellow journeymen. Enter the porticoes of ancient Greece and encounter directly her poets and teachers delight yourself in this least intimidating path of beginning studies in ancient greek seats are limited in this unique program register now at searcyinstitute.org backslash greek apprenticeship or contact andrea lipinski at andrea at and now on with this week's episode Welcome to this week's episode of Quiddity on the Cersei Podcast Network, where we engage in the classical spirit of inquiry. I'm your guide, Brandon LeBlanc. As we head into the final month of school, I thought it would be a good time to dip back into the archives for a discussion on how to optimize your summer, before it's completely upon us. So let's join David, Andrew, Brian, and Chuck.
1: The topic of conversation this week is summertime, and in particular, how to... (laughs) How he's he's singing again. He's singing again. We're gonna put, our, we're, gonna put yeah, we're gonna put. Yeah, our noise canceling headphones on now so that if we I can't could, hear. I would do it. Um, the specifically the topic is how to optimize the time the summertime. How to maximize the time. How to to continue to build on the momentum that you hopefully built during the school year. And I suppose if you didn't build any momentum, how to actually build some momentum during the summertime. Um, we gave this question quite a bit, um, and, and we often see lots of conversation about it in, in schools and uh, on Facebook and places like that. Um, <clears throat> the first thing I'm going to do is just, just ask for yourselves. It's important, obviously, to feed yourselves during the summer as well. Um, for teachers, it's one of the rare times assuming you have the summer off that you can read for, you know, perhaps just pleasure as opposed to maybe what you're teaching. Um, and of course a lot of people do attend conferences and other events to be motivated and renewed, but I'm curious what each of you do during the summer to be renewed and inspired, even if you may not be teaching full time. And actually our schedules tend to be crazier in the summertime. So it's a little bit different, but when you taught, what did you find valuable to, um, to, to be renewed during the summer. I'll start with you, Brian.
2: Um, well, I, I do still teach, um, but one of the things that I have found, I, I don't know that it's been an intentional habit, really. Um, it's just something that I've fallen into. I, I find that I tend to view the year as having rhythms to it. The seasons um, have a kind of feel or rhythm to them, And so um, there are certain books or certain kinds of books that I read just about every season hmm. um, and for some reason I don't I can't put my finger on it really um, I guess if I really pressed it I, I, I could find a reason but um, during the summer I find myself reading a lot more short stories um, I, I, I do use it as a time to kind of um, read more leisurely mm-hmm. um, things that because we all have in different different um, contexts, we all have things that we have to read because we have to read them. Yeah, um, and that's that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just things that we're reading out of duty, whether it's uh, because we're teaching or because we're we're talking at a conference or uh, something we're working on with homeschooling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the summer, I find myself. Um, just kind of reading whatever I feel like, uh, at the time. And that usually seems to be look thinking back. That usually ends up being short stories. So I read, um, uh, I really love the, uh, Lord Peter whimsy stories, um, Chesterton's, um, you know, father Brown, um, things like that. So th- somewhat, um, I guess I draw to mysteries kind of lighthearted feel a lot of Wode during the summer. Um,
1: yeah, that's. So, I always read either a collection of stories or a Woodhouse novel yeah, every summer. Yeah, it's a great summer reading.
3: Woodhouse's mysteries? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be different. great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish. Do those exist? <laughs> Woodhouse mysteries? I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess
2: technically, you know, the they're all kind of mysteries. Right. The silver cow creamer was a bit of a mystery. The silver um, cow creamer. Yeah, you remember okay. a, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the name of that. Which book was that from? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what collection it came from. It
2: wasn't a collection, it was, was in one of the one of the novels. Hmm. Oh well. Anyway, I read Wodehouse or some of the Father Brown or Lord Peter Whimsey mysteries. That's normally what I gravitate to, those kinds of those kinds of things, which hmm. are you can get through them quickly, but they're they're a lot of fun in different ways.
1: Right. Okay. Over to you,
3: Senor President. Um, Chuck. What? <laughs> And, uh, I grew up next to a farm in milwaukee and and I noticed across the street that they would have row crops like corn and 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 then so they'd have row crops like corn, and then sometimes they would have cabbage, which was a row crop, but sometimes they'd grow things like alfalfa, mm-hmm. which as every call is not a row crop. It's just kind of thrown out there. But I noticed that that there was always and growing up in Wisconsin, you do see a lot of farms. Um, I noticed that, that almost every farm that I can remember, next to the fields, there was always a row of trees. And I think that was called a windrow. Does that sound, is, is that right? Is that is that what a windrow is? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Does anybody know? <clears throat> I think that's right. And, <laughs> Actually, yeah. and here's what I was told. And, and I'll Google it. Having grown up next to farms, but not having worked very much on farms... Um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I see stuff. So, my understanding—I probably read this somewhere—is that the soil in a where there's rows, the soil becomes beca- becomes um, um, drained if you grow the same crop, mm-hmm. and. Depleted. Uh, depleted. And, and then it gets thinner or something, yeah. and then it can blow away. Right. So what they do is farmers plant these trees, and again, the way it was explained to me, you plant these trees, and you you do nothing there. Mm-hmm. You don't tend the soil at all. You do nothing. And the well-being of the soil in the farmer's fields, where the crops are going to grow, the well-being of that soil, which is, call it domesticated, is very dependent on the soil where the trees are, which is, shall we say, not domesticated. It's wild. I think of that in relation to summertime and in relation even to the Sabbath because I believe that we moderns have a tendency to go to one of two extremes, but in school the extreme we tend to go to is what I'll just call the big brother syndrome, and by big brother I mean in the prodigal son parable, which was named by the big brother. The the Big Brother syndrome is to have everything under control, everything in order, everything done by the rules and so on. And I think that during the school year, we have to live like that. During the summertime, we then think, if I'm not living like that, I'm doing something wrong. And I think that's a mistake. I think that, that, Brian, you talked about rhythms. I think that the summertime is a time where... Our minds need to be allowed to explore a little bit more. Our minds need to be not constantly getting from one lesson to the next. They need time to, to soak in what's been spilled all over them all, all during the school year. I'll never forget Andrew Pudewa telling a story of how one day he was walking through his living room and his daughter was sitting on the couch. It was about 11 o'clock in the morning and it was, you know, homeschooling, homeschool day. 11 o'clock is prime time. You don't waste that time. But there was his daughter sitting on the couch. And as he would, he, he would you know, put up the scare quote fingers in the, in, in, as he tells the story. But he says there she would be sitting on the couch doing nothing. And so after passing her a couple of times, he said to her, daughter, what are you doing? And of course, his thought, the way he tells the story, he was, he was going to rebuke her for doing nothing. And she said to him Well dad And I hope I don't misrepresent this Because it was beautiful She said well dad All of these different things All these different ideas Are kind of just moving around in my mind And I'm letting them connect with each other And sort themselves out And when Andrew tells the story He says something like "Who, Who am I? to interfere with her, all these things in her mind sorting themselves out but i think that is a, an inclination we have mm-hmm. i think that we are inclined to think <laughs> it's not work to be pushing and pushing and pushing and to treat the mind as though it's a machine it's not it's it's organic it's a soulish thing it it needs time when it's not getting new inputs and it's not being pushed but it is doing its work and we just have to wait on it And, and and it does. And I think that's primarily, primarily that's what the summer is for. Now, if you have, you know, three months summer vacation, that's a bit much because the other, the other reality is that we have summer vacation because we come from an agrarian background. So I, am not saying, you know, slack off all summer, but I do think that, that (coughs) in the rhythm of life, it's a time to, to stop or to minimize the number of inputs and to give the mind time to process what's been put in there it's, it's, a, it's kind of a jubilee or a sabbath kind of time if, if I can use that language mm-hmm. so that's that's how I see summer again don't go extreme you know, it's not for doing nothing but it's for letting the mind do what it has to do Chuck do you have any
1: further thoughts or anything that you find valuable for that
4: summertime is typically when i do most of my poetry reading and uh in anticipation of that this year i pulled a book off the shelf here at the institute it was a book that ezra pound wrote the abc of reading and uh that has really uh, spurred me to take another look at jeffrey chaucer who is somebody that i've ignored for a long time not a not ignored, but been absent from <laughs> since school, and um, so Chaucer is going to join my usual, uh, my list of usual authors whose poetry I'll be looking at over the summer.
1: It's interesting. Brian mentions a lot of short fiction, uh, mysteries and comedies, especially. Mm-hmm. Chuck mentions poetry, including Chaucer, which is both mystery and comedy at times and then you mentioned the idea of letting like there's a certain sense of wildness to the way things grow in the summertime and i was wondering if you guys think that there's a what's the connection between the 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 two the or is there a connection like why is it just that poetry i mean poetry is not easier to read if you do it, I mean, if you want to pay attention to it.
4: But my mind is more in the it, talking about seasons and rhythms. There's something about the summer months. Uh, once the pollen settles down <laughs> and the daylight here. You know, Your gets, brain keeps goes, starts functioning again. Yeah, till nine o'clock in the evening. It's just the perfect time to sit out on the patio I, just to let the poet speak. And. To be affected by the words uh, in the way that Pound talks about in his book, uh, ways that I'd never thought about, casting an image upon the imagination, hmm. just to s- sit back and be operated on, if you will, by the poet's work. That's one of the, mo- the most enjoyable times of the year for me, and that that happens every summer.
2: I don't. I don't know what what it is about the summer specifically I can't necessarily put my finger on it but I wonder if that feeling that we have of summer is something that's woven into the season itself or is it something that we're kind of conditioned uh, conditioned towards because of uh, the the way that this, well not just the school year but I guess maybe the the agrarian year um, has directed us. Because uh, summertime is seen, well, even beyond school age, summertime is seen as a, a bit of a break. Uh, there's a difference there. Um, I
3: don't know. France takes the month of August off. Mm, yeah. so what we should do around right here.
4: You've got... You've got great weather. Well, it does get hot, but just the variety of life that's out, the insects, the birds. I mean, I could sit for hours watching the bluebirds in our backyard in the box. I mean, there's just... uh, nature's
1: alive. Those kind of things you think kind of inherently lead you to want to... Read poetry, read fiction, read comedy, whatever it is. I mean, is that well? There's a
2: in my my feeling. Um, I guess that what I was trying to get at is that um, I think there's a a kind of lightness. There's a, a, a mm. there's more of a rest that's sort of woven into the way that we approach summer. Um, now, like you said, that's not always the case around here because it's conference season and convention season and all that. So it, it can be very busy. But even at that. Um, there is a sense of of rest and enjoyment, and I you know I don't I don't know why that is exactly, but that's that's kind of the the rhythm to it that that I've always gone gone by, and so that actually directs the way that my thoughts are.
3: Um, seems like it seems like weather would obviously have a big impact. We're physical mm-hmm. beings, and so what we do yep. during the day in the summertime is we want to sleep. Because it's so hot, right now, if you 're working outside all the time, the cool of the evening is very precious, but in the winter time, you know you're cold all day, you 're not really looking forward to the cool of the evening mm-hmm. so i and also the physical body, obviously it's harder to get moving when when it's hot, mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to get moving when it's cold, and it's it's therefore kind of ironic that we look at summertime as a, as a more restful time, that would seem to be non-agrarian because, you know, that's when you're doing all your work. Yeah. And then in, in the school year is is in... It, initially, you had the, the agrarian year by which you farmed and the school year fit into it. hmm And now because... Because we had no other choice. Well, yeah, and now we're an industrial urban society, the goal of which is to get as far from the land and responsibility... And living with the consequences of our decisions as we possibly can get, and so that means we want to get away from the land. And one of the ways we can do that is by having school all year, and that it puts the kids behind bars or in rooms or whatever. And you know, so so, so now the summertime is now the agrarian calendar. And I'm I'm exaggerating, of course. I'm being a little facetious even, but the agrarian calendar is is subordinated to the rather, rather arbitrary school mm-hmm. calendar that we have created. Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's almost a shift in authority, a shift in lordship that, that's going on there. Yeah.
1: The reason I initially asked the question about if there's something kind of inherent to summer that leads people to want to read the comedies and, and the, that kind of stuff, is that if you look at Northrop Frye's Northrop criticism... I mean, this is before him, but he kind of breaks it down that there are different kinds of stories, especially in medieval literature, that correspond with the seasons. So hence you have most of the comedies taking place in um, the summertime, and each each season has a certain kind of story. The tragedies, the winter, as you would expect. I mean, and when you lived in a world where most people died during the winter because of the diseases and all those kinds of things, then that would make sense. And then you had... You know, Midsummer Night's Dream is a summer story. I should do nothing. Midsummer, actually. Yeah, yeah. At
3: night.
1: And you know, there's a and you know, a lot of critics would say that Shakespeare's there's a very specific commentary that Shakespeare's making there, just in the title. He's he's being somewhat meta, if you will, um, to use a term that probably should be stricken from the vocabulary. Twenty five percent, seventy five percent of the time, um, but. Uh, you know, the, the romantic comedies, the romances took place in the summer. The comedies took place in the spring, the tragedies took place in the winter, and so on. And a Gowan and the Green Knight is an interesting
2: take on that. When
3: did A Winter's Tale take place?
2: It was A Midsummer Night, I think.
3: When did A Midsummer Night's Dream take place?
2: Also
4: Midsummer Night. I mean.
3: A
1: Winter's Tale, though, is the only play in Shakespeare that has stage direction.
4: Must be because Other it's than so enter cold. and
1: exit.
3: Because hmm. they were too cold to know it, or they didn't want to do it because they were so cold. So they needed instructions.
1: I think What's we're varying it? off topic. What's so. the
3: topic? <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, anyway, so, uh, something about has, have you guys or read or heard of this? Is it okay
3: to read A Winter's Tale in the Summertime?
1: No. So no one's allowed to read that this summer, Chuck. You can't read that this summer with your students.
4: I'm We're reading, doing comedies. I'm oh, re-
3: that. I'm reading it just for that.
1: Okay, let's 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 jump over to Chuck then, because <laughs> that's that's it. That is what they call a segue in the biz. Um,
3: it fell right into I'm my riding lap.
4: Riding around on my segue.
3: Fell <laughs> <laughs> right into my lap. You got run over by a segue.
1: A lot of head shaking going on right now, um, Chuck. You you have something you're doing. With your kids at home, and then also, it sounds like, with a couple other kids in the area. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. This is how you are hoping to optimize your summer with your kids who do homeschool.
4: Yeah, we're going to pull back from our other slate of subjects and focus on what we're calling the summer of Shakespeare. Uh, My two youngest are 14 and 15, and this is going to be their first real full-scale immersion into uh, the world of Shakespeare. And uh, we have at least one other homeschool student, if not maybe a couple more, who are going to join us weekly. And we're going to read through at least two, hopefully three, comedies over the summer. We're going to begin with A Comedy of Errors, not only because it was one of Shakespeare's early plays, but because it it, along with the Tempest, is the only play that he wrote that adhered to what's called the classical unities or the three unities from Aristotle. So that gives uh, my children some con- uh, some context in understanding uh, the classical way of viewing drama and then how Shakespeare, inevitably veers away from that and then that'll give us an opportunity to look at how some of his contemporaries and people that came after him viewed these innovations in fact i was reading samuel johnson on that subject a little while ago now we're not going to get all into that what i want that's that's for my own benefit and i'll try to distill and pass that on to them but primarily the idea is to have fun And enjoy the richness of Shakespeare's language, his wordplay, and themes that emerge even in a play like The Comedy of Errors, which some critics feel like doesn't have any thematic depth. But actually, it does, and that's what we're going to be looking for over the next couple of weeks.
1: Well, okay, so here's the question, then. I mean, why, why are you doing this during the summertime, though? As opposed to just the rest of you I, the
4: time. I think you answered the question a little while ago. There's something about the summer uh, that that uh, appeals to comedy and literature and drama. I think Brian was, was getting at that a little while ago. And uh, Shakespeare had a reason that he wrote Midsummer Night's Dream, and it's one of the comedies but I, for no other reason I'm in the mood to read his comedies <laughs> over this summer and when we get to winter time we'll probably take a break and look at a couple of tragedies
1: but see the interesting thing is I always figured it's the winter time and so you'd want to get away from all the tragedy but we don't We all, that's when I read yeah yeah, you, know, you always read your darkest stuff during the winter for, I guess he just keeps you you just want to, you just want to like <laughs> Bathe in the tragedy. Uh, Brian, do you? What do you call it? Bathos? I don't know. Should we let him be in this podcast?
4: In the church year, there's a lot happening in the wintertime that I think offsets the whole idea of tragedy. Mm. So I think it balances very well. That's interesting. During the summertime, for Listeners who who follow a church calendar, we're we're about to move into the long season, the ordinary calendar, the Pentecost season, where our readings are focused more upon the church and the epistles and the growth of the church and so forth. We're stepping back away from the life of Christ, and so I think the comedies come in at at a great time when we can start to evaluate the social relationships that the apostles deal with in their writings, we can look at them afresh through Shakespeare's comedies. Hmm.
2: This could actually get us into a nice discussion of what true comedy is. Yeah. Because if, if, if the seasons in the church here are related, then what better time to enjoy a good laugh than when the church, when the, the calendar focuses on the church.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well said.
3: <laughs> but is that a comedy or
4: a tragedy?
2: Well, I think it's a comedy in the truest sense, um, not just in in having something to laugh at uh, or laugh about, um, which that, that certainly is true, but in the sense of a, 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 a true comedy of starting off at a point, there being a fall and then being hmm. resurrected to a much mm-hmm. higher point at the end. Um, a marriage uh, yeah I mean the the life of the life of the church the history of the church is is a comedy a very a very deep rich comedy at that a divine comedy
1: hmm anyone so much nothing nothing
2: yeah your dad's already taken all the groans out of the room I think but uh, (laughs) (laughs) his were far worse than that well that's very true that's very true Um,
3: I was just thinking how much sense it made I didn't know it was funny (laughs) I wasn't,
2: I think that, um, related to that though, I wanted to come back to what well, kind of related to that. I wanted to come back to something that the Andrew mentioned earlier, this whole pattern of, uh, or need for rest and, um, how that, um, there needs to be Sabbath woven into the mm-hmm. summer. One mm-hmm. of my first thoughts, um. When you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that this is a question that we get a lot, you know, how should I use the summer to optimize um, my child's education or to make sure that we don't lose ground or that we're staying motivated or we're continuing on or or however uh, different folks might put it. it, it does make me wonder if we're if we're kind of missing something because that it made me question why that why is that a question um, and and does it reflect something that a, a kind of anxiety that's woven into yeah who, I was who we are up. now um, that we are so frightened of Sabbath now we're frightened of rest um, we're so scared that we're going to miss something um we see symptoms of that everywhere, and the symptoms are the things that often get the blame, but they're not the real problem. I mean, what would it, be a symptom? Well, uh, this, this compulsion with you know cell phones and um, email and, and so on, the, the absolute kind of addiction to staying, quote-unquote, connected. Um, in these kind of artificial senses, we're, we're motivated by anxiety. We're motivated by continuing to get things done. We were talking a couple weeks ago about how much time we actually spend. Andrew and I were talking a couple of weeks ago about how much time we actually spend using computer programs or different scheduling programs to keep track of things so that you'll have more time to get things done and in reality, you just spend your time juggling all of those things, you know, to pay attention to to-do lists and whatever. I think those are symptoms. Um, but it's driven by an anxiety. You know, at the root of it, there's this, there's this anxiety about making sure that we're getting done with, that we're accomplishing the things that we, for some reason, feel the, the need to accomplish. And so I guess that's my real question about this whole thing with optimizing your summer is is that I think that does it does it not hint at something a little bigger? Yeah. I'm sorry. What were you going to?
3: No, I think it does, and and I think you're on you, the way you framed it is very helpful because I, I think what came to my mind while you were talking was the word control. Mm. What we don't like is is that things are out of our control, so we have technology and we think that we're gaining control of our lives, whereas in fact we're losing control, and. The reason for the Sabbath is, is, is very clear in Scripture. It's, it's, on the Sabbath, you are acknowledging that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. On, uh, on that day, there are all sorts of practical things that can go wrong. Every manner of, of thing can go wrong on the Sabbath. And so what you're doing is on that day, you're trusting in the Lord, and you're acknowledging that everything you have is a gift from Him. By not working... Now, there's obviously, the, the other, there's two ways you can defy the Sabbath. One is by working on it. The other is by working on it. And you know, there's two kinds of working on it. The one, the one kind is the kind the Pharisee is opposed to. The other is the kind the Pharisee does. He's, he's walking around making sure nobody works on the Sabbath. Right. <laughs> the Sabbath was made for man. And, and because, because we are 21st century Christians, we think that obeying a Sabbath law is the only option. God blessed the Sabbath. He spoke his blessing into the Sabbath. The blessing the the Sabbath is a blessed day. It's not legalism to say that. It's not legalism to want to experience that blessing. It is it is a it is a terrible mistake, I think, that I've made. I'm only just coming to realize this. It is a terrible mistake to not protect the boundaries of the Sabbath and and to not give up control of your life on the sabbath day because as you do it on the sabbath day you come to realize that in fact you can do it every day
2: mm-hmm.
3: that he's always trustworthy and he can he manifests that that's he gave us the sabbath he didn't he didn't he doesn't beat us with it he gave it to us that's how jesus presents it all the time mm-hmm. and so if we take that notion of giving up control and expand it beyond this one day out of 7 And think about it in terms of uh, the summertime and and just think about it in terms of all that we do. We're never supposed to have control of our lives. Never. And so the struggle to maintain it is is an exercise in necessary futility and it will always create more anxiety. You talk about anxiety and just as
1: there's this um, this, this sense of... The sense that the Sabbath was b- being forced upon us, as you were suggesting. Similarly, there's a somewhat pervasive sense, I think, especially among people who genuinely care about education, whether they're school teachers or homeschoolers, that, that we need to be constantly accomplishing something. And that the anxiety is if we're not checking off things on the checklist mm-hmm. or making sure that our kids are learning a sequence of things or whatever, that, if, that we're wasting the summertime. And so there's that fine line. I think it's the opposite. Well, I think what I think there's a fine line between um, between letting kids have a rest and um, identifying what ways you might be able to to continue to build on the things that you have taught them during the year, whether it's through a summer reading list or whatever. But
3: any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. It depends what you mean by rest, because by rest I don't mean passivity. The biblical conception of rest is is, is the state of conquest. The enemy is conquered, and hmm. and so you so you are now planting a garden. You think about the Israelites; they were commanded to take the land, and when they took the land, what they were then supposed to do was not sleep the whole time. They were supposed to. It, it, well, it gives us this with David and Solomon. Solomon could build the temple because it says the land was at rest. Okay? The enemy had been conquered internally and externally. Peace had been established and now they could get about their work. So we make a mistake if we think that rest and work are are contrary. They're not contrary. Rest rest should be our condition while we work. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what That's what concerns me the most about work is is work work becomes works when when it arises from anxiety and tries to stabilize anxiety instead of when it arises from rest. And that, that establishing his rest first, that's what Martha wasn't doing in the Mary Martha story. That's what the apostles had to learn. They had to receive the Holy Spirit before they went out and they were told to wait. And that's what Abraham wouldn't do with Hagar wouldn't do it with Sarah and therefore, you know, took on Hagar and, and and forced things by his own works, by his own energy, from the flesh, as Paul would put it. And, and what we have to do is we have to stop working from the flesh and we have to learn to work in the spirit. And that spirit is is where the Holy Spirit works with our spirit, enters our spirit, rather, and brings us into his rest. And from that comes all the energy we need to do all the work that needs to be done. But what it doesn't do is create obsessive busyness. And we have to be asking ourselves, why are we doing these things? Are we doing it from faith? Or are we doing it from anxiety? Whatever's not of faith is sin. And therefore, I think what we've got to really learn how to do, what I'm having to learn how to do every day again, is how to repent. We have to be constantly repenting ourselves. I don't know myself. I don't know of any other way to get into, re- into his rest is other than repenting. And so I'm not, I'm not talking about a passivity. I'm not talking about a doing nothing. I'm talking about getting spiritually in a state of rest. But frankly, sometimes we get ourselves so busy hiding our anxiety under work and trying to resolve our anxieties that we do physically have to stop working we do have to physically draw back and say wow almost everything i do is wearing me out and it's just it's just to make me look good or it's just to deal with these problems and and all that so i don't i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to communicate to other people myself that that there's some kind of great passivity that we're supposed to be attaining what we're supposed to be attaining what we're called to do is to take possession of ourselves, as Jesus puts it with the apostles when he says they're going to be persecuted. He says, by your patience you will possess your own souls. That's rest. That's rest. And and when we get there, when we get there, then we can do whatever needs to be done. Did I burn out the clock? No, but what does that mean? What does
1: that mean for advice that you, specific advice that you might give to a homeschooling parent, such as Chuck, or or to a school teacher who's listening, who... Very busy and needs a break. Well, no, I'm thinking less about the teacher and more about the students.
3: Let, let, me, let me answer that very briefly with my glib answer, and then, and then I want to hear what Brian and Chuck have to say. The, the glib answer is that if you're teaching out of anxiety, or if you're parenting out of anxiety, or you're doing anything for any other reason than faith, and it's not the Holy Spirit working in you, then the only thing to do is repent. Now, as far as... Well, what would you say that a healthy approach to, to work during the summer is then? Yeah, well, I think that when, it, when we... See, this is, the tri- this, is the, this is the hardest part, is people, people sometimes want me to say, here's the three things you should do or the fourth. Right. Well, I don't right. know. I don't know. But nobody does unless they're hearing, unless they're, unless they're at peace with God. And then, then the Holy Spirit leads, and you know what to do. So, I mean, just to evade the question, I'll say that. But I will, I will add this since you've asked me. Um, busyness, busyness is a bad idea. Unless, and, and here's the thing. I'm not talking in any way about laziness. The Lord Jesus got more done in his life than anybody has in the whole history of the world. For goodness sake, he saved the universe. Okay. But how was he able to do that? He was never taken off purpose. He was never distracted. Satan had nothing in him that he could hold on to. He wasn't anxious. He wasn't worried. He hadn't come to represent himself. He had come to speak his father's message. All he tried to do was faithfully represent his father and obey his father and never advocate for himself. All he ever tried to do was be the man that his father wanted him to be. I mean, that sounds kind of, I don't know what it sounds. But anyway, that's all he ever tried to do. So so he was never taken out of his center. He was never taken off center. He was never taken out of his rest. So he achieved what only he could ever achieve. Well, now we have his Holy Spirit. Now we have his life. Now we have all that. And we have to try to be like him. And we will get more done. We will get more done by trying to by by trying to stay in His rest, by repenting, by staying focused. Not even not even on obedience. This is the thing. It's not about keeping busy, and it's not about obedience, and it's not about all that stuff first. It's about it's about being one with Him. It is about abiding in Him. If we abide in Him, and He abides in us, we ask whatever we want and he will do it and we will see we will see him work now maybe I'm idealizing and maybe people are saying oh that's you know that's beyond me of course it is beyond me too but any repentance we offer to the Lord he takes and we will know what to do with our time then but 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 we have to have times we have to we have to honor the body that he gave us which is the temple of the Holy Spirit and so if we're wearing our bodies out through stress and anxiety and overwork we need to physically rest and if we are and if we are if we need to detach ourselves from the stress of life in order to think a little more clearly then we need to do that but what i'm saying is that's only a starting point and that has that even in itself has to be not an attempt to go on vacation to get refreshed it needs to be a time during which we detach ourselves from the word, world and attach ourselves to the lord we, we just connect to him not 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 restore ourselves so that we can get way too busy again
1: no, I don't mean to be, like, asking you to be overly practical or any of you, but I hear... Well, you can't I, be too practical, so don't hesitate on that. Well, I just, I just kind of hear people... I, I kind of imagine people are saying things like, well, okay, can you give me some specifics about what that hypothetically could look like? Like, what, you know... Something I, to imitate? Yeah, exactly. Something that, what is... Is there a model of that that I can... That it may or may not be... Like you said, it's not going to be perfect, not going to be the exact model for everybody, but something to think about or chew on or possibly imitate. I know that I was actually listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about how if you are somebody who, as we are, spends a lot of time during the day reading, writing, typing, things like that, then it's very important to have a different part of your life where you're doing things with your hands physically whether it's gardening mm-hmm. or for me i find that cooking is really mm-hmm. good in that way because it's something it's a different way of mm-hmm. it's a different way of being you know it's a different approach to
3: i read different kinds of
1: books <laughs> <laughs> um well you garden a little bit you know for some yeah, people it's, it's sports crazy. or whatever but it's a different expression of uh, the incarnation in a way it's a different mm-hmm. expression of of being human and that's one thing that i thought of um the finding something that is renewing, not just during the summer, but every day. You know, I spend so much time in front of the computer, on the phone, reading, typing, all that kind of stuff, that when I get home, I find it refreshing to make a good flat iron steak with potatoes. Um, well, Brian, come on over and do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to provide the flat iron steak? Uh, Brian that. or Chuck, any any thoughts on that? That what you know, is there a model of some kind that that people might be able to follow that would fulfill kind of the the ideas that he's talking about?
2: well, along along those lines, I, I think that he's right that repentance from our anxiety and our self effort is is extremely important. Um, that that is the starting point. Um, that's the starting point of everything really. Um, but it connects with what you're saying, I, and I think all of this actually comes together the Lord has given us these different seasons because he knows our frame. Um, Mm -hmm. as we said, the, you know, as Jesus said that the the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he's, so God has woven that into our calendar and our existence already Mm -hmm. because he knows we need it. He knows our tendency. He knows our, our frame and our, our weakness. Um, what you just said is connected with that and that we're not made to be, uh, I guess one-dimensional is a good way of putting it. Um, we're not meant to be sedentary, sit and it, even doing good things in that, you know, reading, writing, thinking, conversing and so on. Um, there's a reason why if you, if that's your pattern of life <laughs> through your vocation or, or your loves or whatever it is, um, hopefully those are the same. But um, if that's your pattern of life, there's a reason why you find doing something physical is being refreshing. And the Lord has given us these seasons for that. So I, I think one practical thing during the summer is, um, you know, get get outside. I mean, the weather is different, um, and I, I and I think it is for a reason. There there's a reason why things grow. And die and come back again. Um, you know, there's this pattern of resurrection in in all of life, in all of the seasons, and we need to go with it. Um, and so, this is a season of of um, getting outside, as Chuck said earlier. And so, don't, so, so don't see don't see cutting the lawn as somehow being a, a an distraction, ex- an experience, or a distraction beneath you. <laughs> you know, it's and for some reason, I, I think I intellectuals. And teachers and homeschool <clears throat> parents can sometimes fall into that of thinking in these sort of segmented, almost Gnostic terms of, well, if I'm sitting there reading or if I'm teaching the kids this class, then I'm actually accomplishing mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Well, well, <laughs> okay, well, then we don't understand the incarnation. We don't understand the pattern of resurrection. We don't understand the seasons of of life and existence that god's given us
1: we hide behind our inclinations i think sometimes <coughs> True. and because our inclination inclinations speak to mm. our calling
2: off of, often yeah and you could do it the other way too I hide behind our calling you know if you're not yep. working with your hands you're not doing anything worthwhile yeah or you know if you're not reading a book you're not doing yeah. anything worthwhile i mean both of those yeah. are lies
1: yeah um,
2: they're partial truths
1: chuck you were just you were saying that you love to mow the lawn
4: I, I would mow everybody's lawn in the neighborhood. You will if they re- would let me. You seriously? Yes. You live
1: a mile away, you can come to my house three times a week if you want. I the,
4: some of the <laughs> best fellowship that I have with the Lord, some of the best thoughts I have are when I'm behind the push mower.
1: I thought about this last night. Go ahead, I'll tell you when you're done.
4: Oh. By well, this
1: you mean that. <laughs> that, yeah. Okay. Well,
4: well, <laughs> go ahead and ask. Go ahead and say what that prompted, because I'm going in a different direction. <laughs> well, I was just going to say
1: that I was mowing last You're night, a lawnmower, around? and Colter's following behind with his little toy mower. And, yeah, you know the boys are walking around pretending they want to be near the mower, but not. They're too scared to actually be near it. And just thinking about how I'm so often distracted by email and the phone calls that I'm getting and the work and all that kind of stuff. But the lawnmower is too loud to do anything else. <laughs> Yeah. I use noise reduction headphones. Except, I mean, I I can't Yeah, I mean, I, it's too loud to be to do anything but watch the boys play, sorry, and think. Yeah. Because even if I'm listening to something like I've listened to a ball game before or listen to music or a podcast, but you don't make it out the same way the the, the, the the, the uh, precision of the sound or whatever is not as good, so you can't do anything else. I love the it's sound. It's really interesting.
4: I love the, the, the drone of the... You know, I hate to engine. admit this, but I do, too. I love it. Especially um, in the distance. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm the, not, the one right behind it.
3: <laughs> it. Yeah. I love it. Um, no, I like cutting lawns, too, actually, but the sound of a lawnmower is a, something
4: Yeah. nice about it. It's, yeah, it is. It's I, a
3: summer day sound.
4: There's um. There's a certain strategy. Again, I'm just going to speak to the listeners from what we're doing specifically. There is a there's a summer strategy, if you will, to doing to doing the Shakespeare. And I want to back up and say something that Andrew has really emphasized here at the Circe Institute is that all things are ours, whether it's Paul or Apollos or life or death or William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. All things are ours. The goal here is to enjoy him and what he can bring to our souls. And I think that we can get there if we really enjoy the experience of the place. And summertime, to bring this full circle, affords an opportunity for a level of physicality in working with the dramas that you're not going to be able to enjoy when you're stuck in the house you know, like we were this winter in record low temperatures. These guys, I know them. Uh, once we've worked through some of the acts, they're going to take the video camera, they're going to go out in the evening and try to recreate some of these scenes. Unless, of course, they listen to this podcast. Oh, but see, they won't. Okay. So that, so...
3: <laughs> we're sir. good.
4: We're good, but... The, the twin humor, the whole uh, relationship between masters, slaves, merchants, all that is going to really ignite the imagination. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to pull together so many other things that we have talked about in so many different areas of subject matter. And it's going to be fun to watch how they recreate some of these scenes and, and, and put them up on the widescreen with their friends. I need to say
3: something here that I think people will appreciate especially you homeschooling moms chuck is one of the most devoted homeschooling dads i've ever seen he has he has taken an enormous amount of the role of teaching his high school age now now high school age students and it's a it's a fun thing to watch so when he talks about homeschooling he's not one of us typical dads who are just theorizing about what their wives should do he's the one doing it
2: Um, He's in the trenches.
4: (laughs) I'm behind the mower. Yeah, he's in the trenches. He's making trenches with
2: Shakespeare.
1: (laughs) He is the mower or something. Yeah. Um. He's. Oh boy. (laughs) Well, we're going on close to an hour here, so we'll call it a day for now. But we we hope that some of this conversation has been helpful um, and allowed you not to work too hard this summer. If you need an excuse, you can blame us. But we would love to hear some of your strategies for, you know, optimizing the summer. Some of the things that you do to rest, hopefully as a family, hopefully together. Um, Maybe even some of your favorite books during the summer. Um, Are you doing anything like Chuck is doing with his family uh, as far as his Shakespeare summer semester? But before we go, I'll get one summer, summary suggestion from, from each of you. We'll start over with you.
3: Right. I would just say during the summer, don't try to do too much. Be content with, with uh, the opportunity you have. Rejoice in it. And don't worry about covering a lot of ground. Uh, where you are, dig. Enjoy it. Hmm. Chuck.
4: Enjoy the season and just watch the Lord grow things uh, in yourself and in your children uh, as you observe all the beautiful growth in nature.
2: Right. Um, kind of echoing what these guys said, but I, I think if you are concerned about something that sounds more quote unquote schoolish, <laughs> then I would say, um, in whatever reading you do, uh, read according to the season, enjoy it. read, read what you want to. and And I'd also say that take that kind of, maybe not, maybe not as loosely as I worded it, but I think um, the lack of anxiety, or the rest that a lot of us feel during the summer is probably something that we need to learn to uh, to use during the rest of the school year as well. Because I think if there's one thing dominating all the rest of the seasons when it comes to teachers, parents, and homeschoolers, it's, um, it's anxiety to get rid of it.
0: Thank you for joining us on Quiddity as we refreshed ourselves at Cisterns of Learning Doug Long Ago, Drawing from Springs Too Deep for Taint. You can send your comments and questions to podcasts at Institute.org. You can also join the Quiddity Conversation on the Cersei Circle at searcy.circle.so. Join us next week for another episode and be sure to check out the other shows on the Circe Podcast Network.